There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. This is, of course, the second day of our new week on the podcast. We're going to be in Matthew 4 once again. We certainly are looking forward to this book of Matthew as we study. Uh, we had many folks have contacted us about our study in the book of Matthew, and they've been very thankful. I hope it is a help. I hope it is a blessing. Our plan is to go through all four of the Gospels and just uncover what the Lord would have for us. Every time you go through the Gospels, as much as you hear them preached, as much as you understand them, as much as you know about them, every time it seems like I go through the Gospels, and hopefully when you go through the Gospels, you learn a little bit of something more. That's our goal. That's our expectation. And God would teach us something from these Gospels. We're going to be back in Matthew chapter 4. And, of course, we saw this the sufferings of Christ in his temptation. And uh, he was tempted. That's part of his suffering. He had to go through that. He was a man. He was on earth. He was God in flesh. And yet he bore the body of a man. He was a man. And he had to endure that temptation, yet he did it without sin, with a great example to us. But also, had he sinned, he would not have been God. And the devil came and tempted him that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He, of course, overcame temptation. And then in verse 12, now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Now, there's a purpose for this. One, he is going to fulfill prophecy. Uh, but also, he is going to begin what we call the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, that's nothing mystical or odd or strange. It's nothing ethereal. It's just that this is the ministry as Jesus Christ walked on this earth. We see the miracles that took place. We see the wonderments that took place. We see the rebuke, the reproof, the instruction. We see the lame made to walk, the blind made to see, the dumb are made to speak, devils are cast out. We see the dead live again. We see all of these things in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. It is a forerunner of the, what is going to be his ministry for the next 2,000 years. He still is in the business of healing. He still is in the business of setting the prisoner free. He is still in the business of taking those in the bondage of sin and making them free in himself. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so this is just a forerunner of what is to come. Yet you read the Gospels and you see the wonders of Christ, the miracles of Christ. And I know many folks would say, man, if I was just there to see that. And, you know, if you don't believe him by the word of God, you wouldn't believe him, though you saw that. And I've had people say that to me. If I would see Jesus Christ, I'd believe him. But those that did see him did not believe him. Why? Because they believe by the word of God. That hasn't changed until today. And so he's departed into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, now, again, a prophecy fulfilled. We see Matthew deals with that a lot. Matthew gives a lot of instruction 
of these prophecies because he had to fulfill these prophecies. These are things that had to be done. They must be accomplished or he would not be Christ. Chapter 9 of the book of Isaiah says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be such as it was in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. And thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before the accord of the joy and harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. So again, we see this, the prophecy fulfilled of Isaiah chapter 9. These things must be done, and Christ did exactly what the Scripture said. Now, it's interesting because, again, Matthew is still not an eyewitness to these things. Matthew is speaking by the Holy Ghost, and he's showing us that holy man of God is speaking as the Holy Ghost is moving him, and he's telling us exactly where Christ went, exactly what he did. He left Nazareth, came and dwelt at Capernaum on the seacoast, the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled. And then he says in verse 15, the land of Zebulun, the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. So here's the region and the shadow of death. He has come to the Gentiles. He has come over to the seacoast, according to the scriptures. He's fulfilled that scripture. A great light has come unto them. Yet many would not come to that light, although he was that light. But then he continues his ministry there after prophecy is fulfilled. From that time, Jesus began to preach. And here it is, the first message he preaches, and to say, repent. The first words of his earthly ministry, repent. The first words of any man's earthly ministry ought to be repent. And by the way, those that know repentance, those that believe repentance are normally men that have repented. Those that stand in opposition to the doctrine of repentance are usually men making a living off going around trying to get professions, having crusades, trying to get uh, attractions to themselves, trying to get gainers and followers and YouTube channel followers and Twitter followers and Facebook friends and they're trying to make a name for themselves by having crusades and building up their congregation with really proselytes that don't know Christ because they've run them through the Romans Road, the House Highway, the Wallace Walkway. They've walked downtown. They've got a profession of faith, and they build their ministries on that. Therefore, they hate the doctrine of repentance. They preach against the doctrine of repentance. Jesus' first words, repent. His first message to the world, repent. The first thing in this earth that he spake, repent that we know of, that is recorded in the book of Matthew, is repent. We know he also spake as a young boy. We'll see that later on in the Gospels. We know he said things. He spake with his father and his mother. We know he spake to Satan. But his first ministry words on this earth, repent, resound through the ages. That ought to be every man's message. There is no message this world needs more than repent. And yet, will men turn? They will not turn. Will men consider their ways? No, they will not consider their ways. Will the average man look at his life, the destruction thereof, and see it as a fault of denying God? No, he will not. Yet we still preach repentance and the doctrine of repentance. Jesus said, repent. And I realize that heretics can explain that away. And these men that are proselyted so many, they can explain that away. And they're going to twist the scriptures and lie and deceive. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Jesus Christ is on earth. 
The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he calls men everywhere to repent. He's no longer winky. And God is no longer ignoring. God is no longer, he has come to the Gentiles now. He's come to his own, but he's also come to the Gentiles. We see that all through his prophecy and all through uh, his life on earth as he speaks and he preaches. We see that he's come to the Gentiles. We see him going to Samaria. And we see him going places that we would never imagine he would have gone if the scriptures hadn't have told us he comes to his own, but he also crosses those divisions that nobody else will cross. He crosses those highways nobody else will cross. He goes into the ghettos that nobody else will go into. Why? Because he's preaching the doctrine of repentance. He is that great light. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I realize the fishers of men is what most people take out of that verse. And they try to use that for modern day application that we're all to be fishers of men. And I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but the problem is most people aren't following him. There's a lot of fishers of men that aren't following him. There's a lot of do-gooders out there that aren't following him. How do you follow him? You follow him in scripture. The kingdom of heaven has come. You're following Jesus Christ on earth. That's what he's called them unto. And if you'll follow him, then you can be fishers of men. And so many of them just get the cart before the horse, and they're trying to make fishers of men, but they're not even converted. They're not followers of Christ. They're ungodly. They live wickedly. They dress wickedly. They curse, swear, drink, uh, use language and drugs, and, and they're, they're fornicators and adulterers and deceivers and liars and covetous and thieves. And yet, they're not following Christ, but they're out there telling other people how to follow Christ. And how do they say to follow Christ? Repeat words, say a prayer. That's what they're proselyting others to do. Why? They don't believe the doctrine of repentance. So first he tells us to repent. And then he goes and he finds two men. He says, follow me. And the key of that verse is to follow him. And I hope you're following him. And he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They straightway left their nets and followed him. So again, how do we know somebody's following him? Because they leave the way they're living. They leave their manner of life. They leave what they're doing and they follow Jesus Christ. And so it is with me. So it is with every person that's saved. There's a time that you were dead in trespasses and sins. You were without hope. You were without guidance, without direction in this world. Jesus Christ said, follow me. You weren't worried about whether or not you'd be a fisher of men. You just followed him. He was the son of God. He was the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, the glory of God. And we followed him, and then he began to make us fishers of men. And going on from thence, he saw other two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. What did they forsake? They forsook their livelihood. They forsook their, their culture. They forsook their family. They forsook what they knew. Why? Because Jesus Christ had called them. And what a joy that is to read that scripture. Now, it's interesting. You'll read often in scripture of the sons of Zebedee. You'll see the mother of the sons of Zebedee. You'll see her at the cross. You'll see her in scripture, but you will not see Zebedee in scripture. The Bible continually speaks of the sons of Zebedee. Why? He called his two sons and they followed him. And when they go back a fishing, where'd they get the boat? They got the boat most likely from Zebedee. It's what they left. When they thought Jesus Christ, earthly ministry was done, they were done. The man they looked to was done. They went back to a fish and then Jesus Christ appeared to them on that seashore. It's a wonderful story. 
It's a wonder how God has, has worked in their lives. He told them to follow me, and they left off following him. But as soon as they saw him on the seashore, and he had those fish and that honeycomb on that fire, they knew it was the Son of God. They knew it was the Lord, and they came to him. And then he called them with that holy calling and made them apostles and gave revelation to them. And they were great writers of the Bible and great ministers of faith and great preachers of the gospel. The sons of Zebedee, just common fishermen. He called common men. So we see four men are called there at the seashore. They're all hardworking men. They're diligent men. They know how to fish. Part of the ministry is knowing how to fish. And there's great lessons from fishing. I'm not going to go too far with that. There's great lessons in fishing. But he called just commoners. He didn't call uh, men of renown. He didn't call educated men. He call great men that had earthly wisdom. And you'll notice this. He didn't call Gamaliel. And he didn't call Paul at this time. He didn't call men with high education. He didn't call the scribes and the chief priests. No, he went down where men were fishing on the seashore and he called them unto himself and said to follow me. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So where did he stay? He stayed right there at Galilee where he called them. These men are now looking at a marvel. They're looking at something they never imagined they'd ever see. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's healing the sick. He's preaching in the synagogue. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He's healing sickness and disease among the people. They're looking at his earthly ministry, and they're wondering, who is this man? Who is this man that does this? Who is this man that heals? Who is this man that has called us? We're following him. We're seeing miracles. We're seeing wonders. We're seeing all these things done. And can I say this, my friend? It is a wonder. And it's still a miracle to see what God has done. It's a miracle to see what God is still doing. It's a wonderment to me to see the mighty work of God and the hand of God in people's lives, even in this day. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. But here he spake of his fame was known in Syria. In the Gentile nation. Why Syria? Because he's in Galilee. He's in the region north. But then he tells us not only that, but then his ministry expands because there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. So the entire region has heard of his fame. The entire region has heard of this man. They've heard the miracles. They've heard the stories. They've come to see for themselves. He's called common men. He's called men that are laborers, yet he's called them into a ministry, called them to follow him, and his fame has spread around about. As we go on to chapter 5 and chapters subsequent to chapter 5, we'll see the fame of Jesus Christ. We'll see as men then, they see him, they love him, they admire him, they know what he's doing, but all of a sudden, this chief priest, the scribes, the elders, they step in, the Pharisees step in, they begin to challenge Jesus Christ, question Jesus Christ. And eventually, over the next three and a half years, we'll see that multitude depart from him. You see, the miracles aren't enough. Seeing him heal is not enough. Seeing him feed 5,000 is not enough. Healing the blind and healing the mute, the lame, it's not enough. Why, what do men need? They need faith. They must believe by faith that this is the Son of God. They must believe Moses and the prophets that this indeed is the Son of God. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow with chapter 5. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. 
You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.